3: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready, are you? Welcome to Stuff
4: Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen.
0: And I'm Caroline.
4: Caroline, you have mentioned that you have an older stepbrother.
0: Is that correct? Yes.
4: All right. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Actually, I do mean to put you on the spot. Spot me. Did you ever, did you ever wrestle with your stepbrother?
0: No, because he is, he was actually not raised with me. Like, he's much older. Okay. We didn't, we didn't wrestle, is so, the answer to your question?
4: That makes sense. So the age gap yeah. is a, pro, a, a prohibitive age gap for Right. It wrestling. would have been
0: weird. I mean, I guess siblings beat each other up, but it, I guess it would have been weird that like an 18-year-old boy was beating up a five-year-old girl. No, I get that. My
4: oldest brother is, uh, is 15 years older than I am, and I don't think that we have ever wrestled. <laughs> But, uh, my, my other brother is closer in age to me, mm-hmm. and he's still, he's, uh, four or five years older than I am, and I went through this pretty tomboyish phase, and I always wanted to wrestle, but it was really unfair to my brother, because inevitably, he would win, because he was a lot larger and older than I was, But I and and when he would when he would win, I would get really upset and then I'd go crying to mom and he would get in trouble (laughs) for beating up on me. But I was a little jerk you were. I was the instigator. I loved wrestling. Her face is lighting up. Yeah. Um but I never I never ever won. I wonder if I could have a rematch. Probably. Anyway, uh I'm thinking about wrestling because we're we're t- talking about wrestling today in the podcast, so I was just curious to know if you if you had sparred
0: no we hadn't sparred we we get along pretty well uh wrestling or not mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, So, we're talking about
4: women's wrestling today. Uh, we talked in the last podcast about women's boxing, so we are calling this Pugilism Week <laughs> at Stuff Mom Never Told You, uh, because there has been a lot of progress with both of these sports in recent years, and not only that, in recent weeks, on February 16th,
0: 2012, Megan Black
4: made history, Caroline.
0: Yes, a a little 106-pound high school junior became the first female to win an Iowa State wrestling match. And actually, well, sort of. Yes, yes, she did. But last year, uh, Cassie Herkelman won um, by default when her wrestling partner, her male wrestling partner, refused to wrestle her. Mm
4: -hmm. Uh, Her potential wrestling partner, who then forfeited, was named Joel Northrup. And he even issued a statement on his refusal. These are very official high school wrestling matches that take place in Iowa. As you will soon learn, Iowa is just a hotbed of wrestling in the Midwest. Uh, But he explained why he forfeited to Cassie Herkelman Last year, he said, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Cassie and Megan and their accomplishments. However, wrestling is a combat sport and it can get violent at times. As a matter of conscience and my faith, I do not believe that it is appropriate for a boy to engage a girl in this manner. Clearly, Joel Northrop would have been uncomfortable <laughs> at my house when my brother and I were wrestling. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he he didn't think it was it was okay to wrestle a girl. But Megan Black did, in fact, wrestle a guy to the ground and became that that first female winner of an actual bout, not just a forfeit.
0: Right. Yeah. Good for her. Mm-hmm. But uh, Northrop isn't the only guy to um, kind of feel uncomfortable with the idea of wrestling women or girls. Um two researchers from the University of Iowa in fall 2011 sought to understand gender and masculinity issues among high school athletes, particularly uh high school wrestlers. And these were wa- these are uh their parents, their wrestling fans, and they went to observe wrestling and talk to a bunch of guys. And they took notes, basically, about um, masculinity, um, how the guys viewed themselves and each other. And they noted that a performance practice that they found to support orthodox masculinity included never wrestling a girl. Right. Uh, wrestling a girl put them in a catch-22
4: situation. Because if they were to wrestle a girl and win, it wouldn't matter because... It's just a girl. But if they wrestled a girl and lost, then they're the guy who lost to a girl. And, whoa, that is not okay.
0: Right. And so these researchers noted that when the opportunity presented itself for a male wrestler to uh, wrestle a girl or a young woman, some of them just refused to do it and would end up forfeiting the match. And they talked to two boys who refused to wrestle girls on the team because of that lose-lose situation that you're talking about. And one of the boys' father fathers actually said that girls don't belong on the mat, period. And it actually ended up becoming a rule uh, for that particular school that no one had to uh, wrestle a girl if they didn't want to.
4: And I find it ironic that there is um, such a, a gender bias against girls in wrestling Because the same study also pointed out observations of so-called feminine behavior between male wrestlers such as two wrestlers spooning in between practice bouts on the mat um, and they they point out that this entails speaking very closely face to face, lying close with arms around each other and ending up on top or bottom of one another. It reminds me of uh, have you ever seen the movie I can't remember what year in the 70s it came out but it's uh, Women in Love which is an adaptation of a D.H. Lawrence book and there's this epic male wrestling scene. It's incredibly homoerotic um, and <laughs> this this study reminded me of that because two men wrestling is is such a combination of that kind of close uh, feminine contact that you think of, and then this like pugilistic masculine energy
0: right. And so there there's got to be some discomfort, even if the um, young men who are forfeiting the matches can't put words to it. there 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 must be some sort of discomfort. About that conflict—that it's a traditionally male-dominated sport. It's—it can be violent um, and intense, but there's also that close contact. And so maybe it's okay for two guys to be doing it, but if two girls want to wrestle on the team, or if a guy and a girl were to wrestle, then all of a sudden it gets weird,
4: right? And and women's wrestling—if we think of it in terms of uh, like the WWE, more entertainment professional wrestling—it's usually parodied. That's what I think of when I think of women wrestlers—is that you know the, the babes and the the valets, as we'll talk about a little bit later on. But women's wrestling as a scholastic sport that's happening in schools and uh, now in the Olympics has made some strides, not just at the Iowa State Wrestling Tournament, which is one of the most elite high school wrestling championships in the U.S., which is why Megan Black's victory was such a big deal. Um, But wrestling has not been around for very long for women in the Olympics. It made its debut in 2004.
0: Right, yeah, 2004 at the Athens Summer Games. And back in 2004, only six U.S. colleges offered women's varsity wrestling. And only two states, Texas and Hawaii, sanction girls' wrestling at the high school level. Those numbers have since risen, and according to the National Wrestling Coaches Association, the number of colleges sponsoring a varsity wrestling team has risen to 13, um, and just a small gain in the number of states uh, sponsoring a high school state championship. That's just risen by one state, which is Washington.
4: And the first U.S. women's team... To wrestle at the Olympics uh, was small. It was uh, Tella O'Donnell, Patricia Miranda, who wrestled on Stanford University's men's team because she had no other option. Um, And Takara Montgomery. And then finally, Sarah McMahon, whose football coach in high school, told her mother that it would be a cold day in hell hmm. before Sarah would wrestle with the boys. And what did she do? She wrestled with the boys, and then she went on to the Olympics and took home the silver that year. And Mer- Patricia Miranda took home the bronze.
0: But a lot of people are saying that women's wrestling has a long way to go, which it does, obviously, since only 13 <laughs>
2: PNC Bank a National Association, member FDIC.
0: But uh, Terry Steiner, the U.S. women's coach, says, we have a great elite level team, but our development team is below other countries. Women's wrestling is still not accepted in the high school systems here, while Canada has it in most high schools and 19 colleges. It's a matter of changing attitudes.
4: And Steiner also wasn't initially convinced about women wrestling. Uh, he, he he was a little conflicted when he was first offered the job of coaching that first women's team for the Olympics. Uh, He says, I had reservations because I'd never been involved with women wrestlers before and I'd never paid attention uh, and I had a lot of ignorance and stereotypes. But of course, these very athletic and strong women who had been (laughs) wrestling boys for years proved him wrong and he was very happily surprised
0: yeah and he really came around because in june 2011 he said we're going for four medals and we're capable of it Now, the stakes for
4: Terry Steiner and that first women's wrestling team in 2004 were high, not just because they were the first ones to compete in the Olympics, but they were really hoping to do something for the sport, for girls, to attract more girls to into the ring or onto the mat. I guess the ring is in boxing. The mat is for wrestling. Um, And they often brought up the 1996 U.S. women's soccer team and Mia Hamm and how their victories at the Olympics really put soccer on the map for women. Um, and perhaps it has had a positive result. Um, ABC News reports that 5,000 girls are wrestling nationwide now, which is a 300% increase in the preceding five years, but that. Uh, I mean, is totally eclipsed by the num- number of boys in high school who are wrestling, which comes to around 275,000.
0: And there's not just more boys competing in high school and college levels. There's going to be more men, obviously, competing in the Olympics. And men get to compete in both the freestyle and Greco-Roman wrestling, whereas the women's wrestlers only take part in the freestyle event and only in uh, four categories
4: but there is a downside to all this good news about the Olympics and more girls getting involved in wrestling and isn't that grand because in July 2009 Olympic medalists Sarah McCann Patricia Miranda and Randy Miller along with seven other wrestlers at the Olympic Training Center filed a grievance with the USA wrestling claiming gender discrimination and abusive behavior by national team coaches
0: Right. It's, it's pretty ugly and unfortunate, all the stuff that they're claiming. Um, in the complaint, the wrestler said that USA Wrestling violated the Ted Stevens Olympic and Amateur Sports Act by not providing equitable support and encouragement for participation by women. And in the three years leading up to the complaint, 14 women's wrestlers with a combined 23 Olympic and world medals left the Olympic Training Center over complaints of inflexible training schedules, harsh disciplinary actions, meager financial incentives compared to men's wrestlers, mediocre coaches, and, quote, inappropriate substandard coaching behavior by national team staff. Which is completely unfortunate. I mean, these, these
4: girls have had to... You know, basically fight for their right to wrestle, um, literally and figuratively mm-hmm. for years. And once they're finally reaching through the top tier of the sport, they're encountering the same kind of discrimination like that, you know, Sarah McCann's football coach who said that hell would freeze over before she could, she could wrestle with the boys. Um, and when we get down into those different gender biases at work within, um, the sport of wrestling, A lot of it is reflective of the same kind of stuff that came up when we were talking about women's boxing.
0: Right, and part of that is the quote-unquote muscle gap. Um, In the study Gender, Sexuality, and Sport by Kyla Bremner, uh, she discusses what Mary Jo Cain refers to as the muscle gap, which is used to justify the division of athletic competition along gender lines, basically saying, you know, well, men have always been thought of as stronger with more endurance, and they're naturally better performers, so they can do more than women can. And I think it's worth noting that Bremner knows what she's talking about. Uh, she is the first Australian female wrestler to compete at the Olympics, and she's also a doctor. Um, but yeah, she, she cites some of her, her personal experience. Uh, one of those being that she tried to enter a men's competition in Australia, but was denied on the grounds that she could be hurt by her male opponents. I mean, couldn't any opponent be hurt yeah. in a wrestling match? Parti- I mean, it's, it's silly because wrestling is a, is a weight class sport. Right. right? Yeah. So she wouldn't be fighting against some like 300 pound giant beefy dude. Right. So <laughs> let her wrestle.
4: Sounds like there might be some discomfort yet again with that close physical contact, the issue of sparring with a woman. But what really takes the cake in Bremner's experience is when one of her male teammates refused to get in the ring with her. I could keep calling it the ring. Get on the mat with her unless she shaved her legs,
0: right? They didn't like the idea of wrestling with someone who was, I guess, acting masculine.
4: Do male wrestlers remove body hair, kind of like male bikers? Is that is that a
0: thing? Because if that's the case, okay. If everybody's shaving their legs, you, all you right. can't have any wind resistance on the mat. Right, that would really slow you down wrestling.
4: Well, also, it would seem like it would be advantageous for male wrestlers to at least shave their underarms because that would hurt if someone oh. just grabbed a handful. Of your thicket of underarm hair.
0: Yeah, but I mean, so look at this. She's she's a woman in a male-dominated sport, and while they've let her in that far, mm-hmm. they're like, "Well, we're we're not going to touch you unless you shave your legs." But then, when she shaved her
4: head, they were extremely distraught.
0: <laughs> they're like, "You shaved the wrong thing." <laughs> we said legs, not head. Bremner, <laughs> wah wah. So, yeah, in, in her essay, Bremner brings up some points that perhaps, you know, it, it could bruise a man's ego. Which sort of came up with those high school students in that, in that study we talked about earlier. And then she points out, you know, there's the sexual nature of females in combative sports that brings up that whole idea of, woo, college jello wrestling, you know, so there's a lot of stereotypes that female wrestlers and athletes in general have to fight. Well, and I would argue uh, that this whole sexualization aspect
4: is a lot more pertinent to female wrestling as opposed to female boxing mm-hmm. because with boxing i mean you're i mean you're just going for some punches whereas right. with wrestling there is a lot more groping and all over contact that's involved which brings up you know images such as uh, old school where they have the the lubricant wrestling um jello wrestling competitions things like that right and there's also a sideshow aspect to women's wrestling. If you look back at the more the cultural history of it, um, again, reminding me of uh, Andy Kaufman, the comedian when he was doing all that kind of performance art, and one of his things was was that he would wrestle women. And it was just a crazy thing to do. But the thing that we probably don't realize a lot is that women have been wrestling for quite. A long time. Going back to Spartan girls who wrestled in Roman and Byzantine times. This is coming from a film by Independent Lens on PBS called Girl Wrestler.
0: Yeah, they talk about uh, girls in African tribes often wrestling as part of initiation into womanhood as well. So this wasn't limited to one area uh, or one time period for certain.
1: Snag a job is where America goes to hire
3: Start planning your trip at TNVacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
0: And then moving up into the early 20th century, uh, American women wrestled against one another in public demonstrations for entertainment. Like you said, the whole sideshow aspect. And uh, according to the write-up about this movie, Girl Wrestler, they say, these displays were the predecessors of modern-day televised entertainment wrestling such as WOW, Women of Wrestling, and GLOW, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, franchises that have given women's wrestling an undeservedly bad reputation as a circus-like spectacle full of mud and jello, which sounds disgusting. Well, it also seems very um
4: very U.S.-centric because... When I think of wrestling, I do think of the WWE, and mm-hmm. I think of China and those twins. I think there's some, some twins Probably. that have a a thing going on now. China obviously does not does not wrestle anymore, um, and you know those those are the the women wrestlers in our minds but in that culture they typically would start out as valets escorting the the male wrestlers around the ring um, or their girlfriends or even referred to as hoes and today they're known as divas and knockouts. So again and again and again, it's sexualized.
0: Right, making it more acceptable for women to be on the mat, in the ring, depending on where they are uh, if they're sexy with with fake boobs and leotards and things.
4: Whereas globally, female wrestling is not all that Uncommon. There are about eighty countries that sanction women's wrestling for international competition. Uh, in the New York Times, there is an article published in two thousand nine that was reporting on a group of women in um, a town south of Baghdad in Iraq who formed a wrestling team despite strong pushback from threats that it should be banned on the basis of promoting promiscuity and transgressions against Islam. Um, and even south of the border in Bolivia, they have uh, these female wrestlers. Referred to as cholitas, and it's um, sort of an offshoot of the the luchadores in Mexico. But you know, and while it's done purely for entertainment, and these are um, wives and mothers who will wear traditional Bolivian garb and come out and put on these wrestling shows, and they do sound pretty pretty intense and pretty fun to watch. But it's more of a mockery of the macho culture, um, for instance, in an interview with Carmen Rosa, the champion who is one of Bolivia's Cholitas, um, she, she says men are useless. They can do nothing <laughs> and uh, they eat because we cook and otherwise they would starve to death. And here the macho culture is very strong and it's something we have to fight with our best punches. So when we fight, we are representing not only indigenous women, but also every woman. So there, and that kind of uh, feminist statement is certainly not proclaimed by the divas
3: of the WWE.
0: Right. You can certainly you could look at the Cholitas as being exploited. Mm-hmm. You know, they're there for entertainment. They're getting leered at by all the drunk men in the stands. But they are a very rep- repressed group of people, oppressed group of people. They are. Uh, they have been considered for centuries just lower than the low Mm -hmm. and this is sort of a way it seems that the attitude that i got from reading a bunch of these articles about these fantastic women this seems to be a way that they're taking some power back for themselves they're still i mean a lot of them are still married still have families but they're taking the extra cash they get from these tournaments and bringing it home to supplement income
4: absolutely um and it's it stands in such stark contrast to the entertainment wrestlers north of the border Although there are some pretty colorful characters, I mean we haven't talked much about women in the WWE, but you know, what about what about Mildred Burke?
0: I love her. Uh, this is from Professional the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. Burke was born in 1915 in Kansas, and after seeing her first match, she convinced future husband Billy Wolf to train her. Wolf uh, was the Missouri State Wrestling Champion and the Kansas City YMCA wrestling coordinator. And she actually started wrestling on the carnival circuit in nineteen thirty four and offered twenty five bucks to any man within a fair weight range who could pin her in ten minutes. And supposedly it never happened. She got
4: that twenty five bucks every single time. <laughs> and even when uh Billy Wolf at first, when she asked her him to coach her, he wanted to teach her a lesson because he assumed that since she was a woman she'd be a terrible wrestler and so he recruited some guy in the gym to body slam her. Burke didn't care. She body slammed him right back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Grandma. And then they got mawied. They did. And uh, after an incredible streak of championships, Burke lost the belt in 1954 in Atlanta. And that same year, it was kind of a rough streak, uh, that same year after her divorce, she created the World Women's Wrestling Association before retiring two years later. And other
4: um, wrestling aficionados
0: out there might also have heard
4: of Lillian Ellison better known as the Fabulous Moolah, who started wrestling in the early 1950s, but a promoter suggested that she change her name because Lillian is not the most uh, fearsome name. Right. And so she told the promoter that she wanted to do it for the Moolah, and hence,
0: her new nickname was Born. Right, but she actually started as one of those valets that you're talking about, basically just being arm candy to the main attraction, the, the uh, male wrestlers. And so her name when she started out was not the Fabulous Moolah. That didn't come till later. She started out as Slave Girl Moolah, Mm. which is less awesome. But she soon was wrestling in her own right, and that's when she became known as the Fabulous Moolah. And i just like to point out that she had nothing to do with Iowa. (laughs) She got her inspiration from watching wrestling in Columbia, South Carolina. And the person who would go on to defeat...
4: The fabulous moolah, many years later, was Wendy Richter, who made, befriended Cindy Lauper in 1984, which uh, forged a relationship between MTV and WWE, a random cultural note there.
0: Yeah, and that led to MTV's, I, I don't remember this, maybe someone does, and they can tell us how it went, but uh, it led to MTV's Brawl to End It All, which is where Wendy defeated FM... The fabulous moolah. The
4: fabulous moolah. But that kind of wrestling is so much different than the wrestling on that tiny mat where, you know, the, these these athletes are going to the Olympics right. pretty soon.
0: Yeah. There is definitely um, a shift in perspective between the actual athletes. Not, okay, well, not that WWE wrestling women aren't athletes, but, bet- you know, between the women who are working to get to the Olympics and the women who are arm candy on TV. Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, and wrestling, I think, will always be more of a niche sport. It's not that big compared to things like football, soccer, other more mainstream sports. But I think it's great that girls like Megan Black, who is 106 pounds, is taking on guys in the mat and and body slamming them. I guess you don't really body slam in actual
0: wrestling. She could. I bet. Yeah. I bet she could. She could could probably probably body slam me. (laughs) I was about to say, she could
4: probably take me down. And Lord knows I am a far sight away from 106 pounds. Um. So anyway, I, I hope that this little history lesson on women's wrestling, thus closing pugilism week at Stuff Mom Never Told You, was interesting. I, ho- I hope that we have some female wrestlers out there or women who wanted to wrestle in high school and were told no. What's happening? Yeah. Let us know your stories. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send them. Oh, and one, one final note. Uh, in April, the Olympic trials for wrestling will be happening. And you guessed it. It's going to go down in Iowa. People in Iowa. What, is, is wrestling what? What happens all the time? Is it it's corn and uh, and wrestling? Yeah, it, is wrestling Iowa's football? I don't I don't know.
0: It seems like it. Let us know. Okay, this is an email from Gino. I am a male preschool teacher and childcare provider in California. After listening to your LEGO podcast, I asked two of my female students, seven and eight, which Legos they would prefer playing with. One girl picks Star Wars, saying that she enjoys the movies and want to build the, and wants to build the stuff she saw. Keep in mind this girl has dressed as Batgirl and Wonder Woman for past Halloweens. The other girl, who is more on the girly side, picked the Friends Legos, saying only that it's because they are her favorite colors and couldn't think of another reason for it. Both girls play with the Legos we have in the classroom and have never wondered about pink and purple Legos. Sure, my sample size is beyond small, but I think that if I added pink and purple Legos to our tub that both boys and girls would use them. Thanks, Gino.
4: I've got an email here from Kristen, and she is writing in response to our episode on foster care because she was in foster care from ages six to nine. While I was too young to really understand what was happening, it's hard to believe now that I came out as relatively unscathed as I did. The children's services in my county had had disturbingly few resources, including enough foster homes, so they weren't as selective about homes as they should have been. I was bounced from place to place, switching schools multiple times a year between first and third grade. I don't think anything during those times was constant, and I lost all sense of permanence, family, or home. Eventually, my state-appointed psychologist took a shine to me and adopted me when I was almost 10. Later, I found out that had my adopted parents not intervened, I was going to be sent to a group home for disturbed children, probably until I was 18. As I get older, it weighs on me how unlikely my outcome was. I wonder if I ever would have been adopted if I were special needs, a minority, or LGBTQ, all of whom fare particularly poorly in the foster system. I know that when I'm older and more financially secure, I want to foster or adopt, particularly those children who are often ignored. So thank you, Kristen, and thanks to everyone who has written in to momstuff@discovery.com And also thanks to all of our friends on the Facebook and followers on Twitter, at MomStuffPodcast. You can join the conversation, too. All you have to do is go to those places and click like and click follow, and that's all you got to do. You can read about wrestling as well. How Pro Wrestling Works can be found at HowStuffWorks.com. Be
2: sure to check out our
4: new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow.
2: The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.
4: Zumo Play.